I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Dad, the personal word of the day today is dad. I promise to be with you every day that I can and to know what's going on in the world of sports and entertainment and politics. And we come to you, talk to you about what's trending, talk to you about what's real. And what's real is that about an hour and a half ago, my dad died. And I wanted to do a show right now because... My dad loves this show. Today is the 300th Nothing Personal, and he listened to 298 of them. You know, the thing about dads and sons can be very complicated, the relationship. My parents got divorced when I was four, and uh, I was able to somehow navigate that not always easy relationships are complicated all familiar relationships are complicated but i think about my dad right now and and the first thing that i wanted to just mention to people is that you don't realize what's going to be a memory for your child or your friend or your loved one or your spouse you don't realize until Sometimes the memory has passed and the moment has passed. I always tried in my business life to be very present and in the moment and be very aware of everything that was happening around me and predict everything that was going to happen around the next corner. In my personal life, I was never able to do that. I was never really able to have the the, 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 the intelligence, the power, the strength the emotional connection to properly express to anybody what I was thinking or feeling. My dad coached me in Little League. I spent summers with him growing up. That was part of the divorce agreement. And I would play Little League. Back then, I was the coach's son. And I was short, but I could play. I'd play shortstop and I would pitch. And I was eight years old and nine years old when my dad taught me a lesson that I used to run a baseball team for 18 years, taught me a lesson that I needed when I was working for my stepfather for all those years and lucky enough to be involved in family business. He treated me the same as he treated everybody else on the little league team. And I said to him one day, why don't I get special treatment? You're, you're the coach and you're my dad. And he said, it's the opposite. I have to show the people on your team that you're going to work twice as hard. When I tell your team to run sprints or to run the bases, I'm going to make you win. I'm going to make you run extra. I'm going to make you go until you're hurt. I'm going to make you 
be in pain so everyone around will recognize that I'm not giving anything to you and that anything you get, you'll earn. My dad taught me and helped me understand what it is to be charitable. He was ran the Jewish Federation. He was on the board of the ballet. He was on the board of uh, so many organizations. And I had charity from all sides of my family. And that's one of the reasons the ML Beer Challenge was one of his great pleasures. He didn't like the beard. But one of his great pleasures was watching my charity and my love of charity and my desire to make a difference because he felt he had a part in that, which he did. He loved very much being involved with baseball. He was at the World Series with us in 2003. And I took a picture with him in the World Series trophy. And he said to me in the clubhouse in Yankee Stadium, I'll never forget it, we were celebrating. And he said, can you believe with all of the championships that we've watched that we are now celebrating one together? And he said that in a way that was both incredulous and proud and shocking and disbelieving. It was one of those, I can't believe what we're doing moments. And he sort of stood on the side and let it happen and then would enter. He was very good at entering. Dad was one of those guys, I don't know if you know people like this, you go to a restaurant with him and he spends time talking to everyone at the table, needs to know the name of the waiter or waitress, talks to people at every other table, gets to know them, wanted everyone to like him so much. I didn't get that from him. He never understood several things about me that I wanted to let you know as my audience. He never really understood why I was able to withstand all the negativity. He never understood how I could do that because he never, he was a banker and he had a community bank and, and, uh, and he was loved by everyone. And it hurt him when people didn't like me and hurt him when people would be mean or be hateful on social media. It hurt him when I had to make decisions that were unpopular and he would call me after I would make a trade or we decide to make a trade. And he'd say, why would you do that? And I said, you know, it's a business. And he said, yeah, but you know, your business has to be making the people happy. And that was his business, always needing to make people happy in the toy business. He was in the toy business. He was in the nursing home business and the bank business. And one of the things about the sports business that he hated was that I had no ability to make people happy. That my ability was to run a team as best as I could. And if we could win games and win a World Series, which we did, that was the best I'd be able to do. That by definition, every decision would be making someone unhappy. He'd call me each day and he would talk about the defenses that he'd have to bring to bear when people would attack me to him. And he was upset saying why I had nothing to do with this. I never understood. And I said that to my kids. I don't know why people are mean to people in my family. They had nothing to do with it. They don't decide to trade players or to take money from the public or to do all the things that I did that was my job to do. My family had nothing to do with it. And then I started nothing personal and my dad would call every day. He used to watch all the hits on CBS Sports HQ and want to talk about them. He'd tell me when my clothes didn't match because he didn't understand why I had to choose the shirt on the left and the blazer on the left. He didn't understand because he always looked, 
his best always when he would leave the house and go to a business meeting. Everything would match meticulously. I didn't get that from him. And he would watch nothing personal as you would. And he would say, why is this happening? Or why did you not talk about this segment? Or why did you spend so much time on that segment? Or why did you not make this more clear? He was proud of nothing personal, but the way he showed pride was by asking questions that would make me think about a segment, make me think about another way to look at things. That's something that he was incredibly good at. He was good at helping me in a way that really Coca does now. So Coca, I guess you're sort of replacing my dad, as ironic as that is, that Coca spends his time helping me think about issues in a different way. He spends his time helping me figure out the best way to communicate to you. And my dad would say to me, he would say to me, David, you have a very important job because people are listening to what you're saying and don't ever screw it up and don't ever take your audience for granted. So when I talk to you about how much I love you as an audience and how much I don't take you for granted and value your time, a lot of that comes from my dad. You know, when your dad dies, you think about only good things. You think about time passing and you feel lucky to have had your dad. He was 81 when he passed away. He'd been sick for several years, but sort of like Fletch, it was just right at the end that he was really sick. No, no, I mean the very, very end, like the last couple of days. And he would want me to do a show today, which is why we're doing a show this soon after he died. I didn't think I don't, I didn't think I would be able to, but I am because he always said to me, no matter what's going on, you've got a job to do. And he did his job, raised four kids, all of whom are thankful for that navigated the shark-infested waters of divorce and anger and frustration as best as he could, the way we all do. So all I ask is not for prayers. It's not for donations. I don't ask for love. I don't ask for sympathy. I don't ask for anything other than this. Pick up the phone one time today just for me. Pick up the phone and tell someone you love them because during this time of COVID when hugs are not a plenty, when people cannot be touched or touch, when people are going sometimes a year without seeing their family, pick up the phone. If you have no family, pick up a phone and speak to a friend. If you have no friends, speak to a neighbor, even if you have to open your window. Just know that the greatest thing in the world is just to be loved and be loved in return. Dad, I'm going to keep doing nothing personal, and I'm not going to stop until they rip the microphone out of my hand, and I hope that you get to listen wherever you are to these shows. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Today is Monday, February 1st, 2021. And uh, it is episode 300. (laughs) Amazing, Coco. We have made it to 300. We found a way to somehow keep going. Every day we keep going. Thank you all for your support and for listening to this show and downloading and subscribing and keeping it going. I made you a promise at episode 200 that we'd get to 300 and we did. You're going to have to wait to see whether my wait to see is that we're going to get to 400. A lot went on this weekend. Monday's shows are meant to recap what goes on. Thank you for allowing me to start this show by dedicating it to my father. But the show is going on. And this weekend, what a mess in Major League Baseball. And I'm tired of it. My word of the day going into this morning after last night's prep was stubborn. And that is going to be my nothing personal word of the day. Stubborn. How stubborn the Major League Baseball Players Association is. How stubborn the commissioner's office is. And how we are the ones as fans of the games who suffer. And I don't want to suffer anymore. And I don't want any of you to suffer. But I want to explain why I'm disappointed that Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association are acting the way they're acting. Here's what happened. If you've paid attention to nothing personal, I've told you that there's going to have to be a negotiation before the 2021 season. The player's position is there is no need for a negotiation. We can talk about health and safety COVID protocols, but you've got to play 162 games. We've got to start the season, spring training, February 17th, the regular season, April 1st, and you're going to pay us for 162 games and let's go. That's been the player's position. The players have a union leader named Tony Clark and they have a head negotiator named Bruce Mayer. I've told you on nothing personal. Bruce Mayer was hired to fight only. It's like when you go into a litigation and you don't hire someone who's good at mediating, you hire someone who's good at fighting, fighting to the point where they don't care about the result, they care about the fight. And as a consequentialist, people like that have no place in my life. I want people who are going to mediate, people who are going to arbitrate, people who are going to listen, people who are going to fight for their position, but listen to someone else's position and come to a mediated, arbitrated settlement that is in the best interests of both parties, meaning owners, management, players, because when that happens, fans benefit. You heard on CBS Sports HQ that spring training was going to start on time, and I said it won't. You heard that there'd be no issues at all, and I said there would be, and there are right now. The commissioner's office sent forward a proposal to the players that called for the universal DH, 
It called for expanded playoffs and it called for a 154 game season, not 162. And it called for a delay until March 28th to open spring training or March 22nd to open spring training and April 28th to open the regular season. There are rumors out that Major League Baseball Players Association is going to reject the proposal and not even counter. If today goes by and the Players Association does not even counter and just rejects it, just know the reason they're doing it is they feel, for whatever reason, that by countering, that puts them in a worse position when it comes to negotiating the next collective bargaining agreement, which expires at the end of 2021. They feel that if they counter or in any way give in to anything the owners want, that that puts them at a disadvantage in negotiating. What they don't understand is they're not related at all. If you give in to expanded playoffs this year as part of a negotiated deal, that means it's got to be still negotiated again when there's an entire agreement renegotiated. If you agree to a universal DH or you agree to 154 game season or expanded playoffs or a runner on second to start the 10th inning or seven inning double headers, not one of those things survives into the next collective bargaining agreement. And those agreements are negotiated from scratch every time. Those agreements are done by a series of I give you this if you give me that. I'll trade you this if you trade me that. I'm never going to do that, and you're never going to do this, but we're both going to end up doing that because we're both going to put it as part of a trade as we get closer to getting the agreement signed. Who's going to blink? Are you going to blink? I'm not going to blink. Well, right now, the players aren't blinking, the owners aren't blinking, and the people suffering are you and me. And the reason we're suffering is they're going to take their blink fest into a work stoppage. But now is not that time. There's plenty of time for a work stoppage after this season. Right now, it's time to get through COVID and get through it smartly. The entire fight that the players and the owners had last year in 2020 was about money and about salary. The owners did not want to pay players a full season salary. The players wanted to get paid their full prorated salary. If you're going to play 60 games, then you pay us 60 out of 162. What the owners have offered the players today, make sure you hear this correctly, because there are people who are pro-union anti-management media who are giving you the wrong information. The owners have told the players, we will pay you your full 162 game salary. If you're due to make $10 million this year, you're going to make $10 million. If we play 154 games, you're going to make $10 million. If we play 145 games, you're going to make $10 million. There is some people out there saying that Rob Manford, as part of this offer to the players, is keeping so much power that he can unilaterally choose once the season begins to shut it down. Are you kidding me? The last thing a commissioner wants to do is shut down the game. If you shut down the game, there are no games to be played on TV and owners get C-R-U-S-H-E-D, crushed. But players are so worried about having a bad agreement like the last collective bargain agreement, they're so worried about getting screwed again like they have been 
that they are losing the forest for the trees. They are stepping over dollars to pick up pennies, which is the number one rule of negotiating. Do not step over dollars to pick up pennies. You end up a loser that way. The right solution is for a delay. The reason there needs to be a delay is we need to get more people vaccinated because we need to have you in the stands because the owners and the players need your money. And these players don't get it. They are going to lose. Because you know what owners can do if the players make the season start on time? And if the players say no expanded playoffs and therefore the owners don't get the revenue from the extra round, if they say no universal DH, if they say we're going all 162 and we're starting on time April 1st, do you know what the owners are just going to do? See you later, middle-class free agents. See you later, everyone but the top of the line. They will lower payrolls because do you know what happens when people who own businesses lose money? They change the way they operate so they don't lose money anymore. Do you think if Starbucks lost money on every cup of coffee that you bought that they wouldn't increase the price of your coffee? Do you think if airlines are losing money because gas, the price of gas goes up, that they're not putting a gas surcharge on every single plane ticket you buy or a train ticket? Do you think that when you go to the grocery store and there's a shortage of cows, that they're not increasing the price of your milk? We as consumers pay the price like when you own a company, you pass on losses to your customers. And if your customers go a different direction, then you're out of business. And you know what happens if these baseball teams go out of business? Then every single player who gets paid more money than they ever dreamt of when they were kids, that all disappears. And if you're trying to hold down the fort for future generations, like the players say they do, be very careful. If you hold the fort down too strong, the fort breaks. The players should negotiate with the owners in good faith, knowing that as players, it is smarter to have a deal negotiated in 21 than to go into a collective bargain agreement negotiation after this season, putting with the owners in a pissy mood because you forced them to do something they didn't want to do. You want to blow up the sport? lose more ground to the NFL, lose more ground to the NBA, lose another year as you get older. Players, fans, owners, it's not going to happen that way. You watch, you watch. Another thing that my dad did not like was the Coca plane. So you want to talk to Samson. He said, when you play that, people are going to get stoned, aren't they? And I said, Dad, it's from the movie Half-Baked. I tell people they can be only a quarter-baked when they watch it. We do have a So You Want to Talk to Samson, but in honor of my dad today, Coca, please, no introduction. Thank you, Coca. So You Want to Talk to Samson is when you get into my Twitter at David P. Samson. That's David P. Samson. You download and subscribe to the podcast which thank you for doing. Keep doing that. You're making a lot of people happy at UTA. 
and you ask a question and I got some questions from someone who I think lives in Colorado. And the question was this. What are the Colorado Rockies doing? Question mark. Are they trying to make it so I won't be a fan? Question mark. You would never have traded Nolan Arenado, right? Question mark. Well, thank you for asking because I know a lot about what's going on in Colorado because not only would I have traded Nolan Arenado, yes, but I did trade players just like Nolan Arenado. Let me explain to all baseball fans, and I'm going to do it one more time today, what makes the best front office? As a front office, my biggest failing is that I had a dream that every year we could be competitive. Because one year we won the World Series and I thought, let's get another. Let's chase Amy, let's keep trying. Eventually you have to trade out players and we tried to restock good young players, sign some free agents, see if you can win. Never made it back after 2009 to 500, forget making the playoffs had to trade future Hall of Famers. The best front offices know when their window to win is closing. The worst front offices are the ones who believe that that window never closes, it just shrinks. And the elite of the elite know before it closes that it's about to close. The Colorado Rockies, when they signed Nolan Arenado to that extension, remember he got like seven years, $234 million, which made it an eight-year, $260 million contract. But one of them was a arbitration year. At that time, they had come off a playoff run. There was a thought that while the Dodgers were the king of the NL West, there was a thought that the Rockies were the second best team. The Padres stunk at that time. The Diamondbacks were whatever. And the feeling was the Rockies were positioned. Nolan Arenado is the top defensive third baseman. Maybe one of the top offensive, if not the top offensive third baseman, the best third baseman in baseball. Hard stop. Nolan Arenado is. Future Hall of Famer, I believe. Certainly on the Hall of Fame track. Signed him to the big deal because the view was we want to keep him because our window is open to be with the Dodgers, to be a wild card, and maybe if everything goes perfectly and the Dodgers have injuries and lack of performance, maybe even win the division. Well, since they signed Nolan Arenado, the Rockies have gone backwards and their window has now closed because they recognize in the National League West, the San Diego Padres have taken the place of the Colorado Rockies as the brother of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the younger brother fighting his way into the same ring as the older brother, trying to be as good and as big and as strong and as successful as the big brother. The Padres now have that role and the Rockies know it. The Padres are building again right now. They brought in you Darvish. They brought in Blake Snell. They signed Manny Machado. They still have Will Myers and Eric Hosmer. They've got the cover man of the MLB of MLB's 21, the show, Fernando Tatis Jr. This is their time to try to overtake the Dodgers and stop their string of NL West victories, or at least make the playoffs, especially with expanded playoffs. 
having been in existence last season, hopefully this season, and certainly in the next collective bargaining agreement. But even if not, the Padres are favored to have a wild card position. And the Rockies knew that they had no chance and they're trying to make their window of losing as short as possible. And to do it, you've got to get out of long-term commitments because by the time the Rockies are ready to go again and go back on the upslope, Arenado will be past his prime and they will have spent a lot of money to have him on a bad team. Now, people are saying, people are saying that Arenado forced his way out because he had an opt-out after 2021. And the Rockies were very smart to trade him because they were able to get some people back, but they didn't get enough. They didn't get the top five prospects. And on top of the Cardinals, one of the top five prospects. And on top of that, everyone's saying, oh my God, they had to pay 50 million of the $200 million that remained. It's actually 199. What a terrible deal for the Rockies. That is the word of people who have not been in a position to make a deal like that. Sometimes you have to cut your losses. By putting $50 million of their money into that deal, they are still saving about $149 million that they can reallocate toward other players when they are more ready to win. Does that mean they're going to automatically sign Trevor Story to a long-term deal when he becomes a free agent at the end of this season? No. But they at least have an opportunity to sign him because they couldn't have Arenado on the books and sign Trevor Story and be in a position where they're at best the third best team in the division. When you're in a position and you have to trade a player like that, the way the Marlins had to trade Giancarlo Stanton, you have to go to that player who had a no trade clause because it was negotiated by the same agent, Joel Wolf, who shares Giancarlo Stanton, who shares Nolan Arenado. And that no trade clause is used by the player as a shield. I had a fight with Joel Wolf while we were doing Giancarlo Stanton's long-term deal. And Giancarlo Stanton wanted an opt-out after six years. And Joel said to me, David, that opt-out is is a shield, not a sword. It is a shield to protect Giancarlo from you not coming through on your promise for the Marlins to be competitive every year. And I said, Joel, I'm not making you that promise. I don't know that we can be competitive every year. I just know that we think Giancarlo, when he maxes out at around $30 million per year, that we should be able to have a payroll in the $120 million range, which would make him 25% of the payroll. So we're going to have to make sure that we've got good young players around him in order to be good at that number with the player making that much of the payroll. I also knew that at the end of the day, they didn't care because they couldn't turn down the 325 the same way Nolan Arenado in no way was going to turn down the 234 extra million dollars. No chance toilet pants. Well, when you use a opt-out as a sword, it's when you know you can get more on the open market and you say to your team the way A-Rod did to the Yankees, I can do better the way Steven Strasburg did to the Nationals. I can do better. I'm opting out if you want me, re-sign me. But it's going to be a brand new spanking deal. People can't use their opt-out as a sword if they're not going to get more than they're currently making. The reason Giancarlo opted into the last seven years of his contract is he knew very well that there was nothing he could do to get more money in the open market. And the Yankees were always going to be competitive during his seven-year window that he has remaining of that deal. 
Arenado knows that under no circumstance was he going to opt out after this year with collective bargaining starting anew with the reality that there is no way to know whether or not he is going to have a better 2021 than he had in 2020, whether the market will allow for him to make more than what his AAV is of about $30 million. When you use an opt-out as a shield, that is to shield you from the team not doing what it said it would do. So Arenado said, Rockies, we are not competitive. You are not trying. Therefore, I want out. There's a lot of that going on, including in football. Bad teams with players who are very excited to sign guaranteed money all of a sudden say, I want to be on a better team. And I've got a no trade clause, so I'm going to control exactly who I'm traded to. Well, I told you how the Marlins dealt that with Giancarlo Stanton. He turned down St. Louis. He turned down San Francisco. And he was told, if you turn down another one, we're going to sit you on the bench and we are going to have you surrounded by people who are not good because we can't afford the payroll that we thought we could because the world changed. The Rockies found a team, the St. Louis Cardinals. By the way, someone else said something about St. Louis that really upset me this weekend. Someone said that St. <clears throat> someone said that St. Louis can't ever sign free agents because who wants to play in St. Louis? St. Louis has the best fans in Major League Baseball. If you love the game of baseball, then St. Louis is the number one place to play. If you don't love the game of baseball and you love the game of partying, St. Louis may not be the place to play. But St. Louis is a very well-run organization and they find a way. Remember when they let Albert Pujols go? The world was coming to an end. I'd say they've been pretty successful since 2012 when they let Albert go to the Angels. How have the Angels done with Albert? So Nolan Arenado gets to the Cardinals and he still has an opt-out after 2021. He now has an opt-out after 2022 also as part of him waiving his no trade clause, which by the way, the reason why I don't ever give players no trade clauses with Stanton being the exception on a long-term deal is when you want to trade them, they either ask for extra money or extra rights or extra benefits. And that just makes it more difficult to trade. The benefit that all players want right now is the opt-out because it is a one-way opt-out. If they can get more money, they get it. If they can't, they stay, period. The Cardinals will be a winning franchise the way they always are. They're going to win the NL Central this year with Arenado. It is incredibly exciting to see them in the National League good because it's good for baseball when they're good. So the answer to your question on So You Want to Talk to Samson the Rockies made the right move, and I know you're pissed and upset. But their job running the team is to make the right move that will be to the benefit of the organization going forward. And even if they have not earned your benefit of the doubt, the reality is they should have it. You've had good success in Colorado. No rings. Their expansion partner Marlins have two rings, but they're going to get one. It's too bad not with Nolan Arenado. The other bit of baseball news that caught my attention is one that there was no way I was going to let pass. Simply no way. When Steve Cohn bought the Mets, he decided to go on Twitter. And when people join Twitter, they can choose their tone. 
They can choose what they want to use it for. Steve Cohn used Twitter as a way to interact with Mets fans and as a way to get you as Mets fans to say, hey, I may be an out of touch billionaire in your mind, but I'm a normal guy. I'm here on Twitter asking you for suggestions. Do you like black jerseys or not? What can we do around City Field to make it better? Why isn't Jared Porter doing more to make our team better? Yes, he did actually tweet that around New Year's. Hey, I'm going to call Jared Porter and get an update. And remember, I said nothing personal to joke that is. Forget the fact that Jared Porter is about to be fired. The joke was, of course, he knows what Jared Porter is doing because Jared Porter is only doing what he's told to do. Steve Cohn exhibited his new owner-itis, not by signing James McCann, not by trading for Francisco Lindor. No. He exhibited his new owner-itis by getting on Twitter and running for cover the minute things got tough. He said he was taking a break from Twitter because of personal attacks on him and threats on his family. Let me be extraordinarily clear. If you have cyber courage and you manifest your cyber courage by making threats on Twitter or any other social media platform, you are a nothing. You are nobody. You are irrelevant. You are sad and pathetic. But if you use Twitter to say, hey, Steve, good job losing all that money, bailing out your hedge fund buddies because of Robin Hood. Hey, Steve, way to go not getting Trevor Bauer. Way to go not getting JT Ralmuto. Hey, Steve, the Braves are still better than the Mets. You better do more. Hey, Steve, Carrasco's not enough. Hey, Steve, I hate getting to City Field and those chop shops suck. Hey, Steve, way to figure out that Jared Porter was not a good guy. Is he just like all the other guys in your other firm who always get investigated? Hey, Steve, do you still have money after paying that huge settlement to the SEC? Hey, Steve, are you like the Wilpons and out of money because you had to spend so much money to go after your and save your investments? You know what that is, guys? That is fair game. And Steve Cohn couldn't take the heat. His tweet was, I've really enjoyed, it wasn't a tweet, it was a statement by the Mets, by the way. I've really enjoyed the back and forth with Mets fans on Twitter, which was unfortunately overtaken this week by misinformation unrelated to the Mets that led to our family getting personal threats. So I'm going to take a break for now. We have other ways to listen to your suggestions and remain committed to doing that. I love our team, this community, and our fans who are the best in baseball. Mets fans are not the best in baseball, Steve. You're going to learn that soon enough. Soon enough. Bottom line is that this week's events in no way affect our resources and our drive to put a championship team on the field. He's trying to make sure that you realize that he's not the Wilpon family and that the Robin Hood issue is not the same as Bernie Madoff, and it's not. Steve Cohn still has the ability to sign free agents or to trade free agents or to make trades or sign players to extensions or raise the payroll or lower the payroll. He is going to act like an owner. What bothers me about this situation is that he actually thought that Twitter was a place where misinformation doesn't go to live. 
he actually was concerned that there were people now not giving him the benefit of a doubt and his honeymoon was over. Guess what, Steve? Your honeymoon was going to be over the third time Edwin Diaz blows a save. Owners' honeymoons don't last, and the reason they don't last is that by definition, owners and team presidents are the exact line of defense that all fans look to blame when they are not satisfied and fans are not satisfied until they win a championship. And then the minute the parade is over, they want the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. It is a losing game if your object is to satisfy your fans every day, every year. It can't happen. 29 out of 30 baseball markets disappoint their fans year after year. People in San Diego can say, no, no, we're not disappointed. We're thrilled. That's horse hockey. You're thrilled because A.J. Preller signed a bunch of guys. How are you going to feel if you don't make the playoffs this year? Are you going to thank Ron Fowler and the new general partner in San Diego, Peter, Peter Seidler? Are you going to thank them for trying? We never got thanked. We never got thanked when we tried. We never got thanked when we didn't try. We just got yelled at when we didn't win. I don't blame you. It's your right. Be upset. But owners need to know that. You have to have a thicker skin if you're going to be an owner of a Major League Baseball team, Steve. And you better start growing that skin now. You haven't played a game. Personal threats aside, because those are inexcusable and you have every right to call out people and have them investigated and prosecuted. Words have consequences and so do actions. If you can't find a clever way to exhibit your dislike of an owner or a president without using a personal threat, then I got nothing further to say to you on that subject. Steve Quan will get back on Twitter, but you heard it here first. He's going to need the Mets in first place for a couple of days. Okay. Even though I have been sick and sad, I'm still finding that I can watch movies, TV shows, and I want to end the show today with a review. And the review is on Hulu. I'm not going to end it until I give you my pick of the day, though. We are now above 500, Coca. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are 13 and 12. Hell yeah. We picked the Knicks to beat the Cavaliers. They were only giving a point. They crushed the Cavaliers. We are now over 500. We are starting today two things. It is Monday. We are in Super Bowl week. For those of you who have been with Nothing Personal from the beginning, last year's Super Bowl, we did prop bets every day of Super Bowl week. We kept track. They didn't count toward our record, but we are going to keep track of the prop bets separately and of whether or not we win. The pick of the day today is the Milwaukee Bucks over the Portland Trailblazers. The Trailblazers have Damian Lillard, who is really one of the top five players in the NBA. The Trailblazers are a great team, but the Bucks, the line is a little small for me. So the Bucks are going to beat the Trailblazers, and that is my pick to get two games over 500. Bucks over Trailblazers. Let's get into those prop bets, Coca. I went through William Hill has the best list of prop bets of all time. I've never seen anything like it. I basically can bet on anything I want. Literally. The first player to leave the field to take a crap. I've got Mahomes plus 180 on that one, but that's not the prop bet. I'm taking two today. 
Tom Brady, his first pass. Patrick Mahomes, his first pass. The odds are interesting on William Hill. To bet that his first pass will be complete for Tom Brady, you have to lay 180 to win 100. For Patrick Mahomes, you have to lay 190 to win 100. But if the first pass is incomplete, you risk 100 and win 170 for Mahomes, or you risk 100 and win 160 for Brady. I'm making a call right now. I am taking Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady for one unit each that their first pass will be incomplete. If I go one and one, I'm a winner because you lose 100, but then win either 160 or 170. Prop bets for today. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, their first pass will be incomplete. Thank you. The review is in and of itself. Derek Delgadio's in and of itself on Hulu. When you're done listening to Nothing Personal today, I would like you to find a way to watch this show. If you don't get Hulu, get someone's login information and promise them you'll only use it to watch this show. This is a one hour and 26 minute show. And I am telling you exactly nothing about it. That's my review and you're welcome. If I have not built up the credibility over 300 episodes, you don't have to like everything I suggest. You don't have to dislike everything I say you're going to dislike or like everything I say you're going to like. I tell you how I feel. This will change your life. You will think in a way that you have not thought. You will wonder to yourself, not how things are done, but why. We will talk about it again, maybe in DMs, maybe on Twitter, maybe on Instagram. I didn't know one thing about this. I was told by one of you, actually more than one of you, but I watched it after one of you told me. When you give me your movie suggestions, I put them on a list. I get to as many as I can. You told me to watch in and of itself. You asked me not to know one thing about it and not to read one thing about it. And I followed your lead and thank God I did. And I'm giving you the same lead. Please, please don't read anything about in and of itself on Hulu. Go watch it and turn your phone off. My phone stayed on and I didn't look at it one time. It beeped. I didn't look at it one time. That's how we judge movies around here, isn't it? It was a zero look over 86 minutes. I thank you for your time today. I thank you for letting me talk about my dad. This episode number 300 is dedicated to my father, Alan Lawrence Sampson. Born on November 16th, 1939 and passed away on February 1st, 2021. May your memory be a blessing, Dad, and may you always be proud of me, the show, your family, and know that we will carry your legacy and your memory for generations to come. My name is David Sampson. This has been just about as personal as I can be. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, 
which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.